Spring is here, and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Jack Luke and today I'm joined by wonderful friend and esteemed colleague Simon Von Bromley and we're going to be taking a look ahead into 2024 to reveal what we think will be coming in the world of road bike tech this year. Simon, before we get stuck into that, did you have a wonderful restful Christmas and did you ride your bike at all? I actually didn't ride my bike at all because I was a bit knackered. I think, yeah, everyone everyone in Bristol seemed to be a bit ill in the run up to Christmas, including myself and my family. So I was kind of like looking forward to the the break between Christmas and New Year. But then my son got chicken pox. And so we've all been exhausted because he hasn't been able to sleep. So poor little boy. And yeah, poor me. Dearing me. <laughs> how, was, how was yours, Jack? I didn't ride over Christmas. No? I am, um, no, we were back home in the homeland in Scotland where I'm from. Have I mentioned that before? <laughs> and, uh, and I decided not to take any kit with me this time. I had a very busy packed schedule. I thought, what better way to spend Christmas than boozing with my family? I did see you got merry. your uh, you got your tandem repaired though. I did get my tandem repaired, which I'm very, very excited about. It, it, it broke on our last tour at the dropout. And Too much repaired. power. Too much power, probably too much stuff. Think, <laughs> um, but it, it's it's in fine fettle once again, and I'm looking forward to lots of exciting adventures in 2024. Anyway, let's get stuck into the exciting world of road tech. We've peered into our crystal ball, and these are the uh, the best guesses, fingers in the wind of the bike radar tech team. And I'm going to be a, a little arrogant boy and start with my own Simon. My belief is that. 
we're almost certainly going to see a new SRAM Red AXS group set. You know, it's it's quite long in the tooth now, relatively speaking. Obviously, it's a perfectly fine group set, the existing one still. But in the kind of cyclical nature of uh, road break, of group set launches, it's been, what, four years I mean, it launched in 2019. February 2019, I believe. Whoa. Great recall, Simon. Well, I'm, long writing, time. I'm writing a, a little something about it at the moment, so oh, I had to right. look it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's pretty long in the tooth in the world of road bike group sets. Um, and we've seen a handful of patents filed, maybe what could be a prototype lever in some pro bike, uh, pro bike, pro riders bikes. There's going to be a new group set in 2024. That's really all we know for now. My prediction for the new group set is that it will be the first ever SRAM Red top tier group set to not feature a rim brake option. Hardly that surprising in 2024, but still something that the rim brake squidgers of this world, myself included, will bemoan as a bit of an end of an era. You know, the number of high-end rim brake bikes that are being released today, and bearing in mind that Red is top, top tier group set, it is vanishingly small. So small that compared to 2019 when the group set was last updated, I just don't think SRAM will be able to justify the tooling, the additional cost, whatever, of designing basically a whole other group set to accommodate rim brakes. Now, do, do you think there's any chance SRAM might do what kind of Shimano has done and allow you, you know, essentially what Shimano did with, you know, Durace R9200, for example, is make, they basically updated or released the old brake levers uh, the old shift brake levers and you can use them you know with the old rim brakes and they're technically still part of the group set do you think SRAM might do that like they'll maintain backwards compatibility with the current rim brake levers almost certainly like so access AXS stuff it all uses the same uh, like wireless protocol. So the mountain bike stuff, gravel, road, they all speaks to one another. So in theory, you could mix and match to your heart's content. And moving to the new generation, I'd be, I would be genuinely stunned if, if SRAM moved away from that. So yes, in theory, it would be possible to use the old red rim brake levers with the new group set. Like I, I just can't foresee a situation in which SRAM moves away from that. Not least because like it kind of just suck for people who do want to upgrade to the new drivetrain parts, which fundamentally are the th a thing that's going to be improved most. Brakes are pretty established as a technology now. There's not really going to be any drastic improvements if there were a new rim brake group set. But still, as a sort of all-encompassing, visually, as well aesthetically sort of um, cohesive group set, I don't think there's going to be a new rim brake option. The impact of that for like new bikes, minimal. Like there's so few new rim brakes out there that for OEMs, it's not going to make a difference. Where it will affect people is with the sort of consumer enthusiast end of the market. Red is a popular group set, as with any other top end group set, to build a bike around. And there are still people out there who are choosing to build rim brake bikes. And I think it's a bit of a, it's a bit sad that there's going to be one less top tier flashy new option there. But, you know, there will still be options out there for people who want to have a top-tier rim brake group set. But as an all-encompassing, flashy new thing, I'd be very, very surprised if SRAM includes rim brakes. What do you think, Simon? Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree? No, I think I think you're spot on. I think, like I said, I think like Shimano did with uh, DI2R9200, I, I think SRAM will essentially, they won't release anything new for rim brake uh, tech, but they will essentially, hopefully, maintain compatibility with what currently exists. So, you know, 
it, it, you'll be able to use rim brake axis shift and brake levers with the existing SRAM red rim brakes that you know are already in production. But but I don't think we're going to see any any development there. I, I would be astonished if we saw any development there. You know, it was obviously you know SRAM has a, a bit of history with kind of developing rim brakes you know they made the hydraulic rim brakes a few years back you might remember so Jack. cool so cool <laughs> but but just as you say like no there's, there's there's just so few frame manufacturers or bike manufacturers i should say who are making rim brake bikes for this level of group set anymore um yes, obviously there are much yeah there are much more at the lower end I was going to point out, actually, with Campic Nulo's Super Record group set, which launched last year, Super Record Wireless, I should say, um, no rim brake option there, which did actually surprise me because Campag's the sort of brand that leans a bit more into its heritage background. You'd think there'd be a bit more of a market there for the rim brake one, but if they can't justify it, like, how is SRAM going to? Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, I think I think you're spot on with this. And actually, I think you played it very safe with this prediction, Jack. <laughs> well, you know, talking about rim brakes, I mean, it's a far <laughs> way to make an engaging article. We do jest about this a lot <laughs> because, like, it's rim brakes on road bikes is one of these topics which you could talk about for the rest of time. And it evokes a very emotive response, which is at times amusing but to me, if I'm putting my sort of sensible hat on, it does really illustrate how many people out there are still just riding rim brakes. All of my bikes use rim brakes, and that's mostly because I'm too tight to buy a new disc brake bike. <laughs> but nonetheless, you know, yeah, there's nothing I think, wrong I think with that's, them. People, I think people that's like prob- them. Yeah, I think that's probably true of a lot of other people. And and like like you say, I only I only you know I only have one uh, uh, bike equipped with. Actually, no, two now because I recently added a gravel bike to my collection. But and you know, uh, most of my bikes all use rim brakes, and they will continue to use rim brakes. But obviously, yeah, those are, those are bikes that I'm not upgrading to a, the latest Tram Red, so. <laughs> nor me. <laughs> Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now we're going to turn to the prediction from our road tech editor, Ash Quinlan. Simon, you are our designated tyre nerd, and the next two points very much relate to road bike tyre. So I'm, I'm going to hand over to you for this one. 
Okay, so yeah, so so our colleague Ash thinks that uh, consumers will continue to adopt wider and wider tires, but uh, tire manufacturers may have kind of reached the limit for how wide they're going to offer uh, you know big slicks in. Now, I think most people, most kind of your your average, the kind of the the normal size, you know, in inverted commas, we should say, uh, is around twenty eight mil wide. You know, it was obviously we've moved from twenty three. Well, yeah, and and narrower before that, through to twenty five, and now twenty eight is kind of considered normal. Um, so I think Ash is is suggesting that you know next year, you know more people are going to be moving towards thirties, maybe thirty twos, you know, and obviously increasingly bikes are offering clearance for these, so it's not a problem. Manufacturers seem to be topping out at around you know thirty five to forty millimeters wide for what they're offering slicks. Um, you know, Pirelli makes the P zero race TLR in a forty in a 40C, 700 times 40C, which I think is probably the biggest. I don't know if Conti goes above kind of, you know, 30, 34 maybe. I think it's about 34-ish they do for one yeah. of their not like top, top end road tires. Yeah, yes, basically. So so it'll be so it'll be interesting. You know, it, it's a kind of like, it's it's a really it's a really tricky one. I you know I really like twenty eight where I am right now. But then if I actually go down and measure my tires, they do measure on the rims that I have them on. They do measure more like thirty millimeters, and you know the only thing you're losing when you go up to a bigger tire is a little bit of aerodynamic performance because obviously it's wider, larger frontal area. They tend to integrate less well with your rims, whatever they are, because they're not been aerodynamically designed for a really wide tire. But for most people. You know, tire aerodynamics is not something to worry about. And actually the kind of like the extra grip, the extra comfort, you know, those sorts of things that you would gain from an even bigger tire are probably worth a lot more to more people. And and I think, you know, if we look ahead to what the pros will be running at Paris-Roubaix this year, they'll, they, you know, there'll be people running 34, tire, 34 mil wide tires. And that over the past few years, that's tend to, you know, the rest of the industry has tended to kind of catch up to that basically yeah, because you know Paris Roubaix is you know obviously the roads there and, and the cobbled sectors are really terrible, but the roads where most people ride are really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so what the pros are using for that kind of race is probably what most of us should be using for just our general riding. You know, and and certainly, you know, I, I've got a kind of you know a, a nice commuter bike, and I, I just basically put the biggest tires I could put on it. And and I think there is, I think more as more people realize the benefits of of running you know wider tires at lower pressures it is going to twig with people like well why not go even bigger you know what am i realistically losing like yeah they'll be slightly heavier yeah they'll be slightly less aerodynamic but those those sort of things probably pale into insignificance for most people i think you're i think ash is spot on what you know the common or the most common upgrade path for somebody with a new road bike is generally speaking new tires first i don't think that's a a daft generalization to make and it more often than not makes the biggest performance improvement to a bike and if you are a fresh new cyclist and you're looking at the world of of road tech pretty universally across uh, all excellent buying advice websites such as bikerader.com will say much as you have like there is a limit you shouldn't go too wide but generally speaking wider tires are faster like that is the universally accepted wisdom and, and it is true and i think for new cyclists, like, yeah, people are going to err towards wider. For older school cyclists, a bit like our rim brake squidgers in the audience, 
Like there is definitely holdouts who are happy and perfectly happy with nar- narrower tires. But the the conversation has changed, Simon. And there are <laughs> there's I see so many more people out there on road bikes with wider tires or gravel bikes with uh, wide slick tires as well. I think generally people's mindsets about what they want from a road bike has has changed so much that yes, wider tires are here to stay. I will be a little pedant for a moment and I'll say Jan Hein has entered the chat. And of course <laughs> we're we're forgetting uh, you know the 55 millimeter uh, sorry 55 millimeter wide Antelope Hill TC from Rennihurst tires. There are even wider slick tires out there if you so desire to have a balloon bike on the road. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I think your point around uh, you know rim brake bikes and gravel bikes is very salient because I think you know, one of the things that limited people for a num- for a number of years was just you know like short reach rim brakes, right? You know, obviously, uh, yeah. Jan Hein has re-entered the conversation to tell me that <laughs> short reach rim brakes aren't the only types of rim brakes available. Yeah, central <laughs> were- direct <laughs> mount brace on brakes, please. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but they were what the majority of bikes had, and so you know, on my old giant TCR, for example, which which had you know standard Shimano rim brakes, the largest tire you could realistically fit on there was a kind of a t- you know maybe may- maybe a 27 mil wide tire um but as soon as you've got you know a modern disc brake bike or a gravel bike with you know with plentiful clearances i, I think a lot of people it's just opened the door for experimentation and gravel bikes in particular i think if you know anyone who's owned a gravel bike and been out on it with their nice big chunky tires uh, you know when you go back to the road bike and, and, and all of a sudden it just feels super stiff and really harsh I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who who have thought, well, why don't I just have bigger tires on my road bike as well? Mm, definitely, yeah. Just on rim brake uh, tire clearance on my road bike, I've got EE a uh, Cane Creek Cane Creek EE brakes, which are very generous tire clearance. And I can't remember how wide my rims are, but they're fairly like contemporary carbon rims. And I've got a set of 28 mil Schwalbe Pro ones on there, which measure more like 28. Uh, sorry, it's like 29.30-ish. And it looks so cool. <laughs> it looks so cool. <laughs> really wide tires on a rim brake bike. Look That's quite an, old, it's quite an old school frame though, isn't it? It's a kind of steel yeah. frame. with So it's got relatively large clearances. You know, there's a thing with like my giant TCR, for example, because it's it was made out of carbon with chunky, really chunky tubes. The clearance around mm. like the seat stays, for example, and the, and the fork in particular is very, very tight. So it's not just about being able to clear the yeah. brake per se, but also the, uh, you know, just old frame were just not designed you know when the yeah when my 2009 giant tcr was being designed no one considered that anyone would want to run anything wider than 25 mil wide Mm. tires which is just you know bananas to think how far we've come our wrists and bums are ever more grateful for them than (laughs) wider tires each year anyway sticking with tires go on simon indulge yourself in your prediction for 2024 i know you will talk at great length and enthusiasm about yours yeah, so I I think that Schwalbe or Schwalbe, as you said earlier, I don't know is, if that's absolutely <laughs> right for sure. By the way, we we have a great video on brand names. Yeah. You're definitely pronouncing wrong. Check it out because you can correct me for getting that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I think they're set to have a really big year. You know, they've been kind of quiet uh, for a little while since they kind of like last overhauled their range in in 2019, uh, and and that's not to say. You know, a bit like with, with Sram Red, that's not to say that the the current options that they have, such as the the Pro One TLE or the One TLE or even the kind of Pro One TT, have been you know superseded. Now they're still excellent tires, still test very very fast. 
Absolutely, yeah. They were one of they were they were an excellent performer in our rolling resistance test last year, and you know I think everyone in the office who's used them has universally said they're very easy to set up. They last a long time. You know, they're not too expensive either. You know, we've seen a lot of tires like pushing up really high prices recently, and actually the Pro Ones remain relatively good value. But we have seen a number of unreleased tires floating around, and they recently had uh, the Pro One Aero which mm-hmm. came out in uh, on a, with a set of sign cross wheels. Didn't really get too much information about them, but at the Tour de France, we saw a set of Pro 1 TLEs, which looked very different to the ones that we know about. And also I have seen at the kind of Kona Ironman World Championships, you know, I do sometimes keep an eye on other genres of cycling. There. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a, yeah, a grey and blue version of the Pro 1 TT, which doesn't exist in Shrawby's catalogue. Now, the exciting thing is that both of these kind of unreleased tires the you know the pro one tle we saw at the tour and the one that i saw at kona um they both have a kind of like distinct visual similarity with the pro one aerofan prototype that you saw at eurobike this year jack now do you want to tell us a little bit about that tire yeah, so the Aerofan, Pro One Aerofan, um, if you're familiar with Schwalbe's, Schwalbe, Schwalbe's range, uh, <laughs> the Aerofan uh, name started off with TPU inner tubes, which Simon reminds us is thermoplastic Thermo- urethane. Yeah, thermoplastic urethane. Which is more like a plastic rather than the traditional butyl, butyl rubber, which is used in inner tubes and tyres. Um the brand were really, really coy on exactly what was going on with the tires. But reading between the lines, I got the impression that rather than using a traditional bottle, is it bottle or butyl? I think actually? it's butyle. Butyle, butyle rubber. They were instead using TPU in the construction of the tire. The benefits claim to be lower weight and much, much lower rolling resistance. And that is quite literally all I knew at the time. They were really, really coy about it, but kind of made suggestion that it's... Um, something they've been working on but Simon you've been sniffing around it because obviously this is a true carrot on a stick for a tire nerd like you yeah I just think that would be really interesting and and I think you know when they I think I believe they told you that they were looking at around 165 grams for a size 700 times 28c uh which is incredibly light you know that's like 100 grams less than the current pro one tle which weighs around 264 grams lighter uh, than a track tub in the set I mean Oh, I don't know. But like, yeah, 165 grams is kind of like Veloflex record weights, mm, you know, mm. so we're talking like specialist time trial, you know, that that is lighter than a kind of specialist time trial tire, such as the Conti Pro One, uh, Conti GP5000 TTTR, for example. Um, and like you said, you know, uh, TPU tubes have much lower rolling resistance than butyl. So if the same applies to the tire, so if the tire is constructed with TPU rather than butyl, and it also exhibits much less rolling resistance, you know that would be incredibly exciting. And I think one of the, you know, one of the big problems with super light tires, you know, such as the Veloflex Record or any kind of like time trial specific tire, is that they're usually, you know, they're very delicate because they're very lightweight. You know, it's just just by definition, there's less material, mm. and they often they are faster. They exhibit less rolling resistance because there is less material, and so it requires less energy to deform the tire. But if kind of Shorby is able to solve that issue and it's able to make a super light, super low rolling resistance tire that has, you know, kind of better durability because, you know, TPU inner tubes, some of them are very durable, you know. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I actually markets is smart tubes, is it? Smart tubes, yeah. I've actually used the Aerofan tubes of on all things um our tandem. I put I we I took a spare tube with us on a tour and I kept puncture I was having loads of problems with the tire and I punctured just a regular butyl tube loads of times and I got fed up put in the Aerofan tube. And we've done like I don't know, two and a half thousands of kilometers of touring on that tube. It's very good. They they are a little bit fiddly to install, but my impression is that their puncture resistance versus a regular inner tube is very, very good. I mean, especially for the weight as well, right? Because mm. a TPU tube might weigh as little as something like 20 grams compared mm. to, you know, a, an average an average butyl tube could be anything from like 100 to, you know, sort of 200. And, and so... You know, if it's kind of got that like heady combination of, you know, rolling resistance, low weight and puncture resistance, this could be a really like revolutionary thing for for road bike tires. And and it's kind of funny, really, because, you know, road bike tires have come on in leaps and bounds in the last few Mm. years, you know, like since the kind of GP5000 era where you had the first kind of good tubeless tires, you know, and Shelby's Pro 1 TLE was arguably like one of those first really good tubeless tires. Um, we've seen a lot of other brands playing catch up to brands such as Shelby and Continental. Um, so if Shelby's going to now raise the bar even more, then hopefully, yeah, all the other brands will ha- have to respond. So yeah, I'm, I'm thinking there could be something good up their sleeve. It's kind of given me pause to think about them as a brand generally, you are right, and they've gone a little bit under the radar in recent years. But looking back, even outside of road cycling, actually, they are a genuinely innovative brand. The thing I always recall was the Pro Core system they used on the mountain bike side, which was kind of like a tire within a tire, a tubeless setup where you'd have your outer mountain bike tire, and inside that, a very lightweight, kind of like a road tire that would sit and protect a tube inside. The idea being that, like a foam insert, you would give. Uh, protection against the um, against rim strikes but also just better tire retention it's kind of a mad system and to have brought it to market was is quite bold but something that's i think is overlooked a little bit with the brand it's like they are only a cycling brand do you know like looking outside like continental mm. or yeah, maxis or, or, or whoever like these are huge huge brands which work outside of cycling primarily i assume you know i imagine continental probably makes more money off hgv tires <laughs> than it does road bike tires yeah. <laughs> but like schwalbe is fully focused on road uh, on on cycling tires and i think that's slightly overlooked and perhaps why, one of the reasons why they are a little bit more innovative in this space before we move on from this Please send me any abusive emails you like, because I'm sure we've um, pronounced the brand name wrong all the way through. It's something I really need to improve on in 2024. Maybe that's a resolution for this year, Simon, to make a, a concerted effort to learn finally how to properly pronounce these commonly referenced brands. Well, we have to keep getting it wrong so we can keep making more videos about brands that we're pronouncing wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll put a link to those videos in the description. They're very funny. They are good, yeah. There's some absolute crackers in there. And if you could think of any other, again, send us an email at podcast at bikeradar.com. On to our next point. And Jack Evans has saliently, to use your wonderful word from earlier, pointed out that 2024 looks to be the year that Campagnolo has no representation in the top tier of the world tour, which quite a watershed moment when you consider even if their presence has diminished significantly in recent years, we have always seen a good mix of SRAM, Shimano and Campagnolo. I mean, 
there's not really a lot to say about it. Like, they're gone. And it's hard to really pinpoint why. I mean, sponsorship and money is obviously the answer. But, like, as a brand, I'm quite surprised they haven't pushed. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't know why it's not deemed as critical for a brand where racing heritage has is, is been a big part of their cachet. Maybe I'm making assumptions there, but what do you think, Simon? Yeah, I, I there's been some interesting discussion in the comments on uh, the you know the tech predictions article on our website, uh, and and you know obviously someone's has made the point that a lot of these group set decisions are tied to the bike brand that sponsors the team. You know, mm. so often you know not not all the time, but often you'll see a specialized bike spec with SRAM because you know, they're you know they're brands that work very closely together they've said as much to us previously yeah it, exactly and, and so it so it may be a case that just you know campagnolo you know doesn't want to you know outlay the budget required to kind of overcome those deals or or it's just a case that as you know italian bike brands such as you know villia or bianchi and there's there's fewer of them in the world tour you know villia is still there with um FDJ and Astana, but mm. Bianchi is no longer in the World Tour unless Arkea Samsic is a World Tour team. Uh, Can't remember. But uh, did you know what I mean? Like, I'm about to commission our 2024 World Tour bikes uh, guide, so I'll tell you in a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, obviously Pinarello is with Ineos, but they've had a long-standing relationship with Shimano, and, and and so I wonder if it's just kind of you know circumstances are working against Campagnolo to an extent because I don't think it's anything to do with the, the quality of the components. You know, Campagnolo was winning the tour, you know, only a few years ago with mm. you know, Tade Pogaccia. And it obviously wasn't holding him back. You know, we haven't had a chance to do a full review of the latest Campagnolo Super Record Wireless, but I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> you know, the, mm. the guys were, AG2R were using it last year and I don't think it was stopping them winning races. I'm sure it's just as good as Shimano or SRAM. I think... It, it does kind of play into the narrative of Campagnolo's kind of general decline from from the big three. And I think that's kind of what's concerning. Now, you know, just kind of looking at the comments again, we've had a few sort of people saying, well, you know, those who predict the demise of Campagnolo have been wrong before. And I, I want to say we're not predicting the demise of yeah, Campagnolo per not. se. <laughs> we don't think they're going to, you know, we're not suggesting they're insolvent. <laughs> Um, you know, we haven't had a look at their balance sheets, but it, it, it's more that for a brand with such, as as you, as you said, like such uh, incredible racing heritage, to be out of the top level of the sport, just it feels really bad. Like I, I, I think this may be the first time ever they've not had uh, a kind of pro team at the top level of the sport uh, using their kit. Now, you know, may, maybe it doesn't kind of like matter much to consumers. But certainly the brand is going to be a lot less visible as mm. a result of this. You know, when we go to cover pro races such as Paris-Roubaix, Strada Bianca, you know, the Giro d'Italia, the Tour de France, you know, we just won't see them anymore. Mm. So we won't cover it as much by definition. I wonder, I mean, neither of us are privy to the, to the brand's marketing plans. Just thinking in the periphery, you know, Super Record Wireless is its top tier group set. But it, it kind of, and, and Eckar followed a few years previously, its gravel bike group set. But like otherwise in Campag's road bike group set range, there's not really been anything to talk about in recent years. Perhaps, I am totally speculating here because I have no idea, perhaps 2024 is going to be a year of a bit of revival for the rest of the bike's, the brand's range. 
and the money will be better spent when there's more to have. I don't know, that that is me just kind of guessing because Super Record Wireless is a very aspirational product. It's very expensive. <laughs> and if you're wanting to market your stuff by sponsoring a team, like you want people to look and go like, that cool cyclist, he won a race. I want a little bit of that, but I can't afford a 3,000 euro, whatever it is, group set. I want the cheaper one. But like, if you look critically, like those group sets are very long in the truth now. Maybe it's the case that we'll see a bit of a refresh for the brand this year and we'll see how things go from there. I, I, that's my hope anyway, because Cam makes very cool stuff. And I hope to see more of them this year outside of just pro racing. I want to hear a bit more noise from a brand which has done some very cool stuff in the past and even in recent years, particularly with Eckhart. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Eckhart if they continue to develop that because I think they have, you know, it's fair to say they have had some success with that and it's generally been a well-received group set. You know, you certainly see that on more bikes than you do you see Eckhart on more gravel bikes than you do, say, see Campagnolo, Super Record Wireless, mm. or or any of their other road group sets on, you know, new OEM spec bikes. Um, so, I, you know, Campagnolo definitely has it in them to, like, to do it, in a sense, to, you know, to kind of, they, they, you know, they know how to make good parts and good quality stuff. So it's not a question of, you know, like I said, the, the, these things are not happening because they're not making good stuff. It, it's It's kind of other... There are other things going on. But yeah, like you say, maybe it's not worth sponsoring a pro team if you don't have a chorus wireless yeah. in place for the for the you know for the punter to buy. So maybe they're developing that in the background. And you know, like we we've you know, I don't want to like just be making excuses, but we have obviously come out of a rather few turbulent years for the and well, you know, in the cycling industry is in a bit of a turbulent space at the moment. And you know, maybe Campagnolo just doesn't want to overextend itself at, at this point, having just come out of the pandemic, you know, into a space where people don't have loads of money. As you say, maybe they're just kind of trickling out the launches a bit slower, playing it a bit and, and yeah, not spending, you know, valuable euros on a kind of pro team sponsorship that they, you know, they're not entirely sure about the return on investment. So mm, my God, maybe it's just sensible maybe this is all just very sensible simon it's entirely possible it's entirely possible that they know more about selling group sets than we do yeah but um, <laughs> but, but i think in you know generally i think what we're kind of saying is it, it, it the kind of the prediction is that it, it it plays into the narrative of their decline uh but we hope that you know in a sense we hope that we're wrong and we hope that they have lots of new new shiny things to show us that are going to put them back in the picture and get us all talking about them this year. Yes, indeed. Well, those are just a handful of our tasty predictions for 2024. There are a few more in the original article for this podcast on bikegrader.com. Of course, there's a link in the podcast description. If you want to hear your predictions, we may revisit them in a future podcast or in a follow-up article on site. If you do have any predictions for what you think the road bike tech landscape will look like in 2024, please send those through to podcast at bikerader.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you've got some juicy intel we're not privy to. I would love to hear it. Simon, here's to a wonderful 2024 in the world of road tech and more importantly, your cycling campaign. And in the short term, your poor son's health. I hope his box clears up. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode.